Welcome to the Happy Executive Woman Podcast. Coach Anita Charlotte will cover a variety of topics, such as personal, professional, and corporate relationships, diversity, equity, and inclusion, energy, metaphysics, corporate relationship responsibility, and spirituality in the workplace. Be sure not to miss the Candid Conversation with Phenomenal Women episodes, where Anita interviews women leaders in their field about their challenges, triumphs, and ways in which they make their happiness a priority in both business and in love. And now, here's your host, executive coach, author, speaker, and corporate metaphysician, Anita Charlo. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations with Phenomenal Women. I am here today with Tori L. Fisher. Let me let me tell you a little bit about this. So, you know, we talk about building relationships. I'm all about relationships. And I get a lot of people that, you know, connected to quite a few people on LinkedIn, been connected to a few people for years. And then I get people that come to me and say, hey, I just, I looked over your page. Oh, you such, you do such great work. Uh, I would love to connect. And then I press the connect button and they're like, all of a sudden I get this automated email that says, this is what my company does. And let me know if you want to talk about it or if any, if I could be, a, I'm like, we don't, you don't even know me. You didn't even ask, you know, you didn't even look over the page and say, hey, my business can help you do this. I listened to this episode, you know, and this is what I can provide. No, it's just like, let's connect. And immediately you're trying to sell me something. Well, Tori didn't do that. So Tori and I have been connected on LinkedIn for years. Don't know how we got connected, but we stayed connected throughout the years. And then she happened to make a post one day about this wonderful book that she's written called Forget Me Not. And it is a book explaining, well, I'm not going to tell you what the book is about. I'm going to let her do that. But when I saw her post, I was like, oh my God, I'm going through that too. And then we connected. So while we had connected and we had been sending each other messages for years, when we did our podcast preview conversation, that was the very first time that we connected face-to-face over Zoom, of course. But I gave you all of that to let you know that I'm still all about relationships. So even though Tori and I never met in person, we never worked together, we don't even remember how we got connected, we still built an online relationship. So when I reached out after I found out about the book and I and you know told her this, I would love to have you on the podcast, she was like, yes, it wasn't a cold call. She knew me, I knew her, we had built an online friendship, which has now blossomed into an offline friendship. We just made plans to hang out. So now that I've given you all of our business, um, I am going to, trust me, you are in for a treat. And as always with these candid conversations, I think you learn more about me and my personal business than you would if we were working together. So um, I'm not sharing anything that I wouldn't share with you in person, but do know that these are real conversations. We're not making up stories. These are candid conversations with phenomenal women, and we are talking about real life things. So with that, I'm going to be quiet now, 
And I'm going to introduce my guest today, Tori L. Fisher. And Tori, I'd like for you to tell, just introduce yourself, give us your zone of genius, tell us about your book, and then we'll get into the conversation. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Anita, everything you said was exactly spot on. I still to this day can't remember how we got connected, (laughs) but I do remember the quality of content you were putting out. And whether it was relationships, whether it was um, trauma in the workplace, I just, I really respect the kind of information you were putting out. And so um, when you reached out to me on LinkedIn, um, I, I got to tell you, it was an easy yes, probably the easiest yes I've had in a long time. And I'm just so honored that you've given me a platform to talk about something that's very important to me. So um, so yes, so thank you very much. And uh, to everyone out there, I just want to share, yes, my name is Tori Fisher. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, and I've lived in Chicago now 11 or 12 years. I moved here by myself to have this major metropolitan experience. And, um, you know, I didn't, I I wasn't married or, you know, didn't have any other, um, anything, any reason why I couldn't move away. You know, I wanted to try something new and um, I'll get into it a little bit later. Um, I now have the best roommate in the world (laughs) and I'm talking homemade biscuits and uh, she has this, uh, this knack for cleaning that I'll share with the group a little bit later. But my mom, um, she blessed me with uh, saying yes when I invited her to come live with me um, around 2017 or so, 2016. And, um, I gotta say, even though she's not about that winter life here in Chicago, (laughs) she enjoys being close to me. So it's a win-win situation, but yeah. So to your point, um, I wrote a book and, uh, for everyone out there, it's called forget me not a caregiver's guide to early onset Alzheimer's disease. So I'm very proud of it. Um, It does stem from a major passion I have uh, for the topic. And I feel like we're going to get into that here in more detail. Oh, we're going to get to it. (laughs) We're going to get all up in it, girl. Let me tell you. So... For those of you that that know me, for those of you that have listened to previous candid conversations, you know that I am not that person. I get I get invites or uh, suggestions for podcast guests all the time, and for me, it's not about having people on random people that I have no connection with that I don't know anything about, people that have written books um, that want me to help them promote their books. If I don't know you. If, if there isn't something that you're providing that is connecting with the soul of who I am and the podcast, then thank you for asking, but no. So when I reached out to Tori, one of the reasons why um, <clears throat> I wanted her to come on the podcast was because just like Tori, I have recently become, I'm going to, I'm not going to say caregiver because my mother doesn't live with me, but I have uh, become the executor of my mother's affairs, right? So 
um, my mom has dementia as well. It's, it's hard when people that you are used to being around, even family members, right? That don't have that day-to-day connection with your, with your mom. It's hard to know what to do, to know where to go, to know how to support. There's a lot that goes along with that. So we're going to get into that. I can tell you that this book, had I had this book been available 2020, summer of 2020, it would have really helped me on this journey. But I can also tell you that even though it's been two years since I've been dealing with this, I found so much value in the book even as a person who has been dealing with this for two years. So I can't wait to get into it and share some things with you. But Tori, now now is the time where we get all up in your business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom currently lives in an assisted living facility. I have you know my hands full. There's an additional component which, uh, which, which um, dictates that my mom live in an assisted living facility because she needs, you know, round the clock care. But I cannot, how long was it be, from the time your mom moved in with you until the time you saw the changes and you got the um, diagnosis of dementia and how has your life changed mm. as a result of that? All right, we're going to get right into it. Okay, so this is an <laughs> excellent question because there are so many facets to my answer. So um, <clears throat> let's see, I would say it probably started in about 2008. Um, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and I had just gotten out of a relationship. So I had a single family home all to myself and my mom was kind of in the same situation where she was uh, staying with some ladies from the church. Mm -hmm. Um, She was renting a room from um, some church folks that she knew. And I said, that doesn't make sense. Why you, you know, why would you pay rent and live a half hour away from me across town when we could just live together? So we actually started living together off and on around 2008. Okay. Um, In 2011, I made the decision to move to Chicago from Ohio and I didn't know anyone. You know, I wanted to make sure that uh, I had a job waiting for me, that I scoped out the neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. So I lived in Chicago for several years by myself while my mom stayed in my home in Ohio. In conversation, um, you know, everything seemed normal. I will say my mom is really good at putting on a brave face. Mm -hmm. And so what I did not know because she didn't share it with me at the time was she was starting to feel, you know, I would say feelings of depression because she was there by herself. Mm -hmm. She was in this big old house by herself. I have brothers and and they live in other states. So it was around 2015, 16, where I said, you know what? I've had my little metropolitan experience here in Chicago. Mom, why don't you come move in, you know, come move here. I know you don't like the snow, but at least we'll be together. And that's kind of where it started. So around 2017 or so is where I'll say 
with us living together and having day-to-day -day interaction, that's probably when I first noticed something going on. Mm -hmm. And it came in the form of her repeating herself or asking me, you know, similar questions uh, multiple times within a short time span, mm -hmm. or just kind of forgetting uh, the, <clears throat> what's the name of our favorite restaurant or, you know, mm. you know, doing this with snapping yeah. fingers. And so mm -hmm. we kind of noticed that um, very shortly around then. So that was around 2017. I will say um, it probably came to a head and we made the decision to go get screened mm -hmm. when we noticed she was having problems at work. Okay. So she worked with computers and she had clients, she had to upsell. So she had to use the computer systems to upsell mm -hmm. and she would forget her client's names. And that was kind of a personal touch bit oh, that okay. the company did. So mm -hmm. she was feeling very self-conscious about that because you know, she prided herself in her work ethic. And it was one day where she called me from work. She, she worked at a, a different location at this time, something that was supposed to be a little bit more... Um, a little less stressful, um, and she was crying. Mm. And she's like, I, I need you to come get me. I, I'm, I, I can't do this. I need you to come get me. So I went and got her, and she didn't want to go home right away, so we just drove around, and we found an empty parking lot. Mm -hmm. And this was in around 2018 at this mm -hmm. time. So it was, I don't know what's going on with my brain. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the young lady that was training me, you know, she would tell me something and then I'd forget it. And then she was going so fast and I was just getting anxious because my mother also has a little bit of anxiety, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and some, some other things. So, um, you know, we just kind of sat in the car and vented and let her cry it out. And I called her boss and I said, you know what, this is the situation. And I said, mom, you don't have to work. You, you know, you're 65 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, this is 2018. So she was 64. Okay. I said, you can, you know, why, why don't we just go ahead and officially retire you? So that way you can in, enjoy some, some downtime. And so that's when we made the decision for mm -hmm. her to retire was mm -hmm. that incident. Okay. And from there, um, we found... Uh, medical professionals uh, that specialized in uh, neurology. And mm -hmm. that's when we got her diagnosis. It was 2018. And I will say one of the things that struck me as odd was when the doctors are diagnosing Alzheimer's, it's a high propensity for, very high likelihood of. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to, to officially definitively um, diagnose Alzheimer's until the autopsy. Oh, wow. Um, and the way that they kind of can say, okay, this is more than likely Alzheimer's is they see changes in the brain, the mm -hmm. size of the brain, you know, they establish a baseline and then they evaluate the progression from there. So when we got that diagnosis, it's like, well, that makes sense because her mother. Yeah. So, oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, wow, that's that's interesting. I was thinking, I was like, well, wait a minute, they were able to 
they were able to, so this is, my mom's older than your mom. So right now my mom's 89 and I, we didn't have her tested until uh, to 2020. Okay. 2020, right? It was during, you know, the shutdown, right? Um, but she had been like, so now my mom, the activities and the things that she says are nothing different than what she said before. It's just a lot mm. more. So my mom has, she's a very, she's a very unique way of telling stories. We'll just put it that way. Okay. Okay. So she's always had that, right? So the, the change that I saw in her, it wasn't that, you know, she would forget stuff. She would forget stuff all the time even like when I was younger. So it wasn't, you know, that wasn't anything new. She would, um, she would get a little turned around or she would forget somebody's name. That was nothing new. But what was starting to concern was my mom was still driving at 85, mm. right? Mm. And then when she would call me and say, how do I get home? Mm. Then I was like, wait a minute. During the pandemic, my during the, the shutdown, my mom is, ex she's an extreme extrovert right? Her thing is get up, I drive, I go where I want to go. You don't tell me what to do, you know, full of sass, but nobody was opening the door when the pandemic hit and they were telling everybody to stay in their homes. Don't go visiting people. So my mom was going out driving and people were calling me while my mom was knocking on their door, ringing their bell saying, why is your mom at my house? Right? I'm not letting her in. It's, it's a pandemic out there. So my mom went into this deep depression oh. and she was, she was in a senior living building, but it was independent. I kept getting calls from the building saying, your mom is so confused. And the, it was a woman in the building that told me like the uh, resident, uh, the resident coordinator, she was like, I think you may want to have her checked mm -hmm. for Alzheimer's or for, for dementia. These are the things that I'm noticing these are the signs and they would call me your mom is today she's very confused she she someone had to show her back to her room but during that time she wasn't taking her medication mm. she wasn't taking her blood pressure medication or anything because she was depressed she wasn't able to get out so she was sulking she wasn't eating so I had to have nurse a nurse friend go by to make sure you know her blood pressure was okay eventually my mom always handled her own affairs. She never wanted me in her business, right? So for me to then try to tell her, now I have to, we need to have you um, evaluated. I, I would get cursed out and I'm just trying to help. And, you know, so I, eventually I got her to go. And what was determined was now when I talked to her doctor, this is what pissed me off. The current, the doctor that she had at the time, they were giving her medication for dementia. I was like, how do you know that she has dementia? Did you do brain scans? You know, what have you done? They had given her a piece of paper with 10 questions on it and told me, I was, and she says her, you know, something's going on with her brain. So we, you know, it's dementia. How do you know it's dementia? 10 questions? No. So I, and then they fought me because they didn't want to approve on her insurance her going to see a neuropsychologist. I fought hard for this. Get to the neuropsych evaluation. It's a full day, like eight hours. It took them, they did all different types of tests. I know that 
I went through the test before my mom did. It was four hours for me because I'm thinking I'm forgetting stuff. I must have it, right? Let me check myself out first so that I see what she has to go through. Eight hours, come back. Turns out she had been having small strokes in the memory, the short-term memory portion of her brain because of her blood pressure. So we don't know how long that's been that way or every time her blood pressure goes up, you know, she gets, she's real anxious, just panic attacks. And so that doesn't help the blood pressure, right? So when you said that you can't determine it until the autopsy, I was like, wait a minute. I don't know that there was, my my mom's mother died young, like in her 40s. So she doesn't know if there was any dementia or, you know, that would have happened there. Um, But knowing, you know, going through all this battery of tests, it was determined that yes, but because it's damaged, she can't take medication. Yeah. Oh, wow. that part of the brain is damaged. So she okay. can't take medication. So that at that time, they told us she can no longer live by herself. Okay. Yeah. Because she Ooh. was turning on like the guy across the hall was coming over because there was smoke coming out of her apartment. She had turned on the, the pan to cook and then mm-hmm. sat down and fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And so her living on her own was was no longer a viable mm. option. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, how did your mom take the diagnosis? I know how she did because I read the book, but mm-hmm. <laughs> how did your mom take the diagnosis and mm-hmm. what has that meant for the two of you living together while you're still working full-time mm-hmm. and caretaking? How does... How does that work? How is that working? That's a great question. So I will say, I'm going to touch on something that you just said, though, Mm -hmm. real quick. Um, I I think it's absolutely valid and fair to have questions about, you know, the battery of testing that your mom received and was it sufficient? Um, Because a lot of us don't know that, you know, there is actually a difference between, you know, aging and Alzheimer's. And I do talk about this right. in, in the book, but I, I would have to liken the difference to, and I would say maybe this is a key for you to go in and get screened is you and I, assuming we don't have the Alzheimer's diagnosis, we know we're forgetting. Right. We, we are aware that we're forgetting something. Mm-hmm. And five minutes from now, we'll remember that we forgot something. Right. When you have an Alzheimer's patient, they don't know they're forgetting. Yeah. And that's where you get the repetition and the, you know, um, the uh, confusion. So I just thought it was interesting that you said, you know, uh, a 10 question, 10 question oh, girl. Piece of paper. Cause to me, it's like, like you said, we had battery of tests, you know, there were pictures, there were drawings, there right. Was, Tell me what, you know, what color the thing was that we mm-hmm. said five minutes ago. And then right. of course there's the cat scans and the pet scans. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely appreciate that uh, you stuck to your guns and, and, and push that forward. 
Uh, but to get to your 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 question, um, as far as my mom, my mom seems to be kind of the exact opposite of yours, and that's actually one of the things that surprised me mm-hmm. becoming her caregiver. So um, when she got the diagnosis. I would have to say for the most part, she's accepting of it. Mm. She's accepting of it with the caveat of she doesn't remember that she has a diagnosis and just constantly laments on, you know, what's going on with her brain, what's going on with her mind. Yeah. As far as how she treats others, she's, not very social from an extrovert standpoint, mm-hmm. but everyone who meets her loves her. She's mm-hmm. sweet, very soft-spoken. And the only time she would utter a cuss word is if you're trying to hurt her children, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they're the opposite. They are the total. Yeah. So for <laughs> my mom, when she lived with me, she was already giving me deference. And I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so much like you're the mommy and I'm the daughter. Right. You know? Yes. So yeah. I'm in my forties. It's like you're the mommy. You know. Right. But I've I've since learned I've I've since learned some strategies that I'll talk about a little bit later. But mm-hmm. so there was a lot of difference, a lot of permission seeking, a lot of feelings of I don't want to be a burden. I want to pull my weight. What can I do to help around the house or mm-hmm. contribute to the household in some way? So that was kind of one of the biggest shifts that we had between way back in 2008 when we lived together. And it was just like we were roommates, the best of buds to this loved one slash caregiver relationship. So the relationship did change. And um, like your mom, um, my mom was driving up until the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and now it's my responsibility to get her wherever she needs to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and she's very happy about that. She does not want to get behind the wheel. Yeah. But um, as far as working goes, I'm blessed with some great management. I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year, uh, we had a death in the family uh, for cancer. And... Um, I, I, I shared that with my boss and I'll, I'll just, I'll just be transparent. I, I shared it with him because I needed some time off. I needed to go back to Ohio and help take mm-hmm. care of things. I will say my boss made me feel so comfortable and he shared something personal yeah. you know, that his family was going through. And it's like, if you need anything, you know, just, you know, just let me know. Just, yeah. As long as I know what's going on, you know, take the time off that you need. And we just, developed a really good relationship from an understanding, you know, as long as you get your work done, right. You know, right. right. <laughs> take the time you need to take care of your family. So mm-hmm. I was already blessed with good management there. And then kind of a blessing and a curse, the pandemic introduced the, the 100% remote. Yeah. So in 2020, I was going to work five days a week mm-hmm. during the pandemic just like everyone else, you know, I'm not special, just like everyone else, we were shut in. Right. And it was during that time of, of being at home 24 seven. Yes. You know, bless her heart, you know, our heads butted 
on occasion because we were yeah. sharing the same space. Right. And, <laughs> and that's kind of the first time I learned what was going on with me. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the daughter. I take care of my mom, you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's help her get her groceries. Let's pay the bills. Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying as much attention to myself. Yeah. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Until the pandemic. So I will say that there was a blessing in my family that came out of the pandemic. Yeah. And that was just learning the true uh, benefits and value of self-care and having someone to talk to. So. Right. My condolences for your, your recent loss. Oh, your family. (laughs) So you, you talk, we talk, we're talking a lot about 2020, the pandemic and, and the shift that it caused for everybody. I think that year was was the year from hell, but the best year ever. And <laughs> right, like a blessing and a curse. So it was a year from hell because um, first it was a blessing because I got to work from home. I am a total introvert. It may not seem like it, but give me, oh, I love working from home is just amazing to me. <laughs> Getting having to when I was taking a train in. The world is just too noisy for me, mm-hmm. right? I get overstimulated on my way in. Mm-hmm. I got to look over my shoulder. I was going to work at New York hours. So it was dark when I was leaving out. I'm trying to avoid the raccoons on the block. And it was just too much stress. So by the time I get to work, I had to get there like an hour earlier so I could come down from all of that. Right. So working from home was a joy for me. And since I was working from home and I wasn't spending all that time commuting, I decided that I was going to take this trauma-informed yoga training. Big mistake, best thing I ever did. Okay. (laughs) So it was a big mistake because I was listening to someone else and this person's like, oh no. I was like, look, girl, I'm not in the space where I'm ready to unlock my trauma I don't want to do that she's like oh no 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 it's not going to be that it's not going to be that you're going to learn about trauma you're going to learn about this and that and you're going to learn how to you know if you you ever want to do yoga with your with your clients you'll know for how to handle you know people who have um trauma in their lives you you know you know don't touch them this and that what to say what not to say I was like oh okay I can do that right sitting at my desk I can do that no girl we talked all about like the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. We learned all of that. We learned all about the different traumas, childhood trauma. We learned about, you know, um, caregiver, you you know, being a caregiver and what that, Mm -hmm. uh, compassion fatigue. We learned about all of that. Well, all of the stuff that had happened in my past that I had put a nice, I had put inside a treasure chest and locked it right? And then put a big old chain around it and lock that, another chain and lock that, all of that came unopened. Mm. Because I'm not a person to to do something half-assed. So if I'm going to go in this class, I'm going to be in this class, I want to be, if I'm learning how to be there for other people, then I need to pay attention and I need to do the work that I'm expecting them to do. Exactly. That ripped the band-aid, the concussion wrap, everything, (laughs) the cast (laughs) off of all of my trauma. And then my mom and her dementia mm. kicks up. Mm. This is before she got she got diagnosed. So I went because I was forgetting things. I don't, you know, I have like 
a multitude of lists. I normally function with like four journals. Everything has to be graph paper. I got it color coded. I got orange markers, yellow markers. You see, I got the pages flipped back. Everything has a reason, but I just couldn't pull it all together. So I was like, oh my goodness, do I have dementia? When I went to talk to the, the neuropsych, I was telling her about my day. I explained to her the things about my mom. How my mom was calling seven, eight times a day. Mm-hmm. I was afraid not to answer the phone because she could be lost, you know, somewhere on the highway. She could be, you know, she could be in a in an uproar because she thinks somebody stole something, but she actually hid it, thinking that somebody was going to steal it. Now she can't remember that she hid it or where she hid it. So all of that was going on. So I sit through this test, four and a half hours give myself a migraine because I'm trying to figure out the test while I'm taking the test. (laughs) And then we get back together and she says, we did a video, you know, review of the test results. She says, well, good thing is there is nothing wrong with your brain physically or cognitively. You're just doing too much. Okay. You're doing too much. Right. And your mother is a trigger. Every time your mom, the phone rings and you see it's your mother's phone number, everything shuts down because you panic. You're wondering if she's okay. Mm-hmm. She told me, she's like, you're going to need to get your mother tested because I believe your mother has dementia. Mm-hmm. So I, I need you to stop, you know, put, make sure that, you know, you have her tested and then you make the decision that's right for you and your family mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, you're not constantly triggered eight, nine times a day. Right. So I go through this testing, you know, have that review, get put her through that. So now I'm fighting her, right? She's fighting me. I'm not fighting her. She's fighting me because I'm lying. The neuropsychologist is lying. The eight hours worth of testing that she took was a lie. There's nothing wrong with her. Nothing wrong with her memory. It's just her brain. It's not her memory. It's her brain. So this, I had to fight through this. So that whole time she went, she moved in July 15th of that year. It's taken almost like a year and a half for her to get to a place where she's starting to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. But it took me a minute to stop feeling guilty Mm. for putting, having to put her in a facility that could provide her with 24 hour care that could regulate her meds right because it go from I have to go over there and put nine ten vitamins and pills and boxes and then she forget I didn't she didn't take this day or she forgot and took this one this day it was just a lot for one person to handle now all of her meds vitamins included go through the uh, healthcare management that they, mm-hmm. they have at the building they come in packets take these in the morning these at night so it's like oh my god it's a relief but the guilt that happens yeah. right with the struggle when they're not as you know amenable to it as your mom was when you don't have that sisterly bond you know before things happen and you're used to bumping heads from day one it just gets a lot worse mm-hmm. so I am having great management is key mm-hmm. oh my goodness like how mm-hmm. could you do what you do if you didn't have management that was absolutely and and quite honestly i will say something else um I, i'm i'm 47 so that's the generation i'm in i'm african american and i i'm not saying anything that should be a surprise to anyone out there but 
our community tends to shy away from um, any kind of mental health coaching and, yes. and, you know, and psychiatry and psychology yeah. and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, all of our <laughs> problems can be solved through church, right? <laughs> right. Prayer. And, and I will say, it's not that I thought that I just, it never occurred to me that what I was experiencing, you know, was something that could be fixable. Yeah. I just thought I was stressed or tired. But I will say that feelings of, like you said, feelings of guilt, mm-hmm. feelings of uh, some sort of negativity, like I love my mom to pieces, Lord knows it. Yeah. Um, but I've caught myself being a little short in my mm-hmm. answers yeah. out of frustration with the disease. Right. And we have a good enough relationship where I'll apologize and let her know, mommy, I don't have a problem with you. You're doing fine. Mm-hmm. I hate the disease and I hate that you have to go through this. Yeah. You know, so we, we break it down like that, but I will say probably one of the biggest things that saved me personally was, um, the, uh, uh one of our benefits through work mm-hmm. was mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaching. And that was mainly because of the pandemic. Yes. People need someone to talk to because they're locked away in their home offices with right. screaming children and pets with no outside stimulus. Right. So they had a program where I'm like, well, let me just go ahead and, you know, and it was six months of just talking to someone. Now, yeah. if my best friend hears this, she might be a little mad at me, but there's, <laughs> there's something very therapeutic, hence the whole reason that they're so successful of talking to a stranger. Yes, absolutely. That knows nothing about you or your situation. They're hearing with a fresh, fresh mindset, fresh ears, clean Mm -hmm. palate, and you don't have to worry about judgment or girl, you you know what to do. You got this. I don't want to hear that. Right. you're so strong you're always a strong one yeah so no no, nothing against my girls my right my my best friend or anything it's just um having that person to talk to really helped alleviate what I was feeling within myself so that I could uh be more patient with my mom yeah so yeah I I totally agree and understand I can tell you in in 2020, I had 2.5 therapists. Mm-hmm. So 0.5 was the instructor of the um, trauma course that I was taking because we had to do weekly check-ins. It was a 10-week course. Normally it would have been over a weekend, but I think if if you don't want to tap into your trauma, doing it in a weekend is great. Mm-hmm. If you really want to tap into your trauma and be authentic in your care for other beings, then the 10 weeks is more like mm-hmm. it. So we had to check in every week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those that are listening to this, that have, you just don't know who I am. I am an African-American woman. I'm a black woman. Okay. And my trauma teacher was white. My um, talk space therapist, which the job had offered, she was, um, she was Middle Eastern. And then my somatic experience practitioner 
was Caucasian. So when I decide that I'm going to tackle something, I am going to hit it from every angle. Right. We've opened this box. Let's everybody get on in <laughs> here. I had a care team. We all going to get in here. We gonna, You're going to tackle this. You're going to work on that. You're going to work on that. And it was, that's why I said it was the worst year and the best year. Yeah. Because my talk space therapist was there when I just needed to vent. I could leave her a voicemail and be just as nasty. I'll call it funk nasty tutino. Have a funky nasty attitude. <laughs> I would just let it go, you know, on my voicemail. She would hear it and she would know exactly what I was thinking. So when she was working, she would respond. Or when we got to talk on the phone, you know, she would we would talk about it. And like you said, it was great to talk to a stranger. It was also great for me at the same time as, you know, I'm all about metaphysics. I had had a energy drawing done and this person did the energy drawing and there was all these beautiful colors, nice colors and all this gold. And it was coming in and it would come to my head, but then the, the beams would go out of my arms and out of my legs. There was nothing in my torso. And so when she explained what was going on, she said, you have all of this love. You're receiving all of this information. You can read other people's energy. You can tell what other people need. You're giving it all away. You're not giving any to yourself. Mm. So that whole torso that was empty, she was like, you, something has happened with you where you have shut down. It's like, you know, when you get hurt, you put that protector up. So all of my chakras that were would have been um, open for me to receive love and to receive compassion and support were closed. Mm-hmm. And that was by design. I did that intentionally because of my past. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do it very well because of my military training. You, mm-hmm. you can't have feelings when you're in the middle, when it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. So with all of the trauma that I had experienced, it was a life or death situation. So I had to put that wall up. So the somatic experience practitioner helped me to learn how to feel my emotions in my body again, right? So if I were to do another energy drawing, now there would be colors flowing through because those chakras have been opened and now I can identify. And because of the somatic experience practitioner, the talk space therapist and this trauma, um, I'll call her my trauma coach through this course, I have now been able to identify what's happening, where I'm feeling it in my body. I don't have as many migraines as I used to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have as many chest pains and I don't get upset stomach as much. Just all the physical things that come with holding on to the trauma. I don't have those anymore. So that was the best thing that could have happened. And one day I'll either write a book about it or I'll do create a video or something, but it was called a, uh, it, this is, and this is what I'm going to call it. A woman, a Yorkie and a bourbon walk into a garage. I had my mental break in my garage, sitting inside my truck with my Yorkie and my bourbon. <laughs> I think I cried for like three hours, but it was all of the stress, right? Of being, not being yeah. able to help my mom. Yeah. You know, not knowing what to do, taking the brunt of all of her anger, right? Because I'm the punching bag, mm-hmm. but then I'm not supposed to punch back, right? I'm not supposed to say anything back. I'm just supposed to take it. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn 
with my with the with the help of my coaches, you know, and my therapist, I had to learn how to um, how to stand in my power mm-hmm. and set boundaries. Even with my mom who has dementia, there are still boundaries because, as you and I discussed before I got on the call, my mom has she has several mental challenges before the dementia. And so I grew up with those. So I have all of that that I'm holding on now. I'm the caregiver. And now I'm supposed to, oh no, no, ma'am, we got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so finding a a balance, right? Finding that balance between what you need, what, and for me, what I need so that we can still show up and be, um, and be a a safe space Mm -hmm. for our moms. Mm -hmm is so important, right? It's so important. And you talk about a lot of those resources in your book and the ways that, you know, people can take care of themselves, but that you can also connect with your loved ones so that they don't feel like they're a burden or they feel like they are still participating in their lives versus having someone else take their lives over. So, girl. Um, I will say... Can I just drop a a few little tips about that? Absolutely. Because there are changes in my own behavior that I had to, I had to adapt to to our new reality. Mm -hmm. And if anyone knew me, you know, uh, let's say five years ago, bubbly, goofy, you know, inquisitive, uh, you know, just that that's how they would describe me. Mm -hmm. Now, I think people would describe me as driven, maternal, leader, but just because I have a sense of purpose and I have a, you know, a drive to get something done, Yeah. whether it's getting my mom to her appointment on time or doing the research to understand, you know, mm-hmm. what we're dealing with now, you know, what, what's this new thing that we're dealing right. with, or whether it's school, I mean, that's, honestly, it, it was when I went to, um, uh, I went to Temple University online to get my master's of science, but it was for work. It was for digital innovation and marketing. Mm-hmm. I would found a way to make my coursework about elder care. And that's how this mm-hmm. whole journey for the book started. Mm-hmm. But one of the th- things that I wanted, I digress. I wanted to say, tell you that one of the big surprises I had to learn about myself and just about how I had to change my behavior was I'm also very, um, I'm not very a patient person. I can be, you know, mm-hmm. a little, um, not type A, but I, you know, I want to get to the next thing. I, I, I can see the picture clearly. Now I want right. to get to the next thing. And my mom is very slow and deliberate. Mm-hmm. And now with the diagnosis, She's rethinking and processing, you know, trying to do it on her own. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to slow down. Yeah. Whether it was in in the way that I'm speaking to her, um, even just walking and getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. I'm not so concerned with who's around me because I can protect myself. But if my mom is with me, she's anxious because we're in an unfamiliar area. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm slowing down so she can take in everything that's around her and develop her own 
comfort level. Mm. So that was one of the big things I learned about myself. I will also say, because I'm a big sister mm-hmm. and I'm used to taking care of them and I'm the oldest in my girl group. So I can act a little big sisterly towards them Yeah, is not to be assumptive or correct my mom mm-hmm. if she makes a mistake due to, uh, due to the Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, I remember this neighborhood. I, I remember this. This is, we've been here before. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Let it go. Cause it's not yeah. hurting anybody. Yeah. She's having a moment. If yeah. she's taking joy in that moment, just let her have it. And yeah. I had to really, really, really break bad habits within myself to just let that happen versus wanting it to be accurate and correct. Yes. And, you know, so. We are the same person. (laughs) We are the same person because I can promise you in the beginning, it was not, I too am, am that person. Like I'm very solutions oriented. I'm Mm. very, okay. I wouldn't, well, maybe I am type A, but, um, I just have everything that I do because I do so many things. Everything has its place, right? This is the time that I've allotted to do this. This is the time that I've allotted to do that. And then when we get to, when we would get together and she was like, well, I've never been here before. And I'm like, well, mom, yes, we have. And she's like, well, no, I've never, don't tell me I've been here before. And I'm like, oh my God, are we seriously going to argue about this? And then when we get inside, give it 15 or 20 minutes. Oh yeah, I've been here before, but now you've cussed me out between the highway and actually getting here to the restaurant now I don't even want to eat I don't even want to eat because you've cussed me out right yeah yeah I'm just I don't understand I can't believe you're talking to me like this oh my god and then we get in 10 to 15 minutes later it's like oh yeah I remember because that waitress said and I'm like yeah yeah by that time I'm just so exhausted so I had to within myself right and there was a there's a online community at agingcare.com. I had to find people that knew, uh, that experienced what I experienced, right? It's Mm -hmm. agingcare.com. And then they have like a chat group. So you log in and I would say, you know, I would tell them this is what I'm dealing with. And then you have people come back and say, it's going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, This is part of the process. And then I was struggling with, you know, I, I knew that she needed to be in a, in a facility, but I was having guilt around it. And they, there were people saying, if you know your mom needs to be in a facility, the best thing for you and for her is to put her in a facility because if you bring her home, she's, I, and they were saying, I wish I had not brought my mom home. Although I love my mom, it ruined my marriage. It ruined my relationship with my kids. Um, now, you know, single, da, 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 don't do it. If you have the ability to put her in a place where you know she's being taken care of and you're not just going to forget about her and leave her there, then that's the best thing. So mm-hmm. if it wasn't for my 2.5 and my agingcare.com, it, it would have been a challenge. Now, sometimes people in your personal space think that they're helping by telling you things like, well, that's just the way it is. You're going to have to get used to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't understand. No, maybe that's the truth, but right now that's not what I want to hear. 
Right. Right. How can you support me through this? Right. Um, so it's just, it's very, 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 it's very challenging on the caregiver. And then now understanding compassion fatigue, right? It's like, wow, yes, I recognize that I do have compassion fatigue. It's where you're consistently, you're so busy giving and giving and giving to a particular person or a particular thing that you're now not looking out, looking out for yourself. And then you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I've been dealing with this and I've been helping you with this for so long. I can't do it anymore. Right. So you get to that point where you completely just ex exhausted all of your patients, all mm -hmm. of your care. Mm -hmm. And to other people may look like you don't care, but you finally got to the point where instead of taking care of yourself along the way and setting boundaries along the way, now you're at a point where you're just like, that's it, I'm done. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't. Yeah. And there were a lot of people on the site too, agingcare.com. There were people who were telling them to set boundaries and you know um, how to set boundaries. And if you're dealing with like a parent, there were a lot of people that were dealing with parents that were narcissistic prior to the dementia. And so just learning how to deal with a parent and a narcissistic parent and then understanding that and then understanding dementia. So there were a lot, there was a lot of information that I got from these people. And um, if it wasn't for them, I don't know that I would end the 2.5. Like I told you, I had a whole care team. So I had this mm -hmm. whole website <laughs> and then I had these 2.5 people helping me move through it. But at the same time, like you said, you have your own and we had a challenging relationship prior. So I had to work through my own stuff. At the same time, I was helping her to work through hers. So I have in the past two years, I have grown tremendously. So I have more compassion. I have more patience now. I don't fly, you know, I don't get angry. I recognize that it's not her, that it's a disease, but that took a while so I just wanted to let you know to be the the voice of uh for those that probably didn't have such a great relationship before or those that had a parent that had mental challenges prior to the dementia and this has just made it worse exactly. there is a way that you can grow through that right and a way that you can you can make it I don't want to say enjoyable but bearable for for you and for the both of you and even enjoyable for that parent. Because my mom now, like I never watched TV on the phone with her before, but that brings her joy. That's like the biggest highlight of the week, mm -hmm. right? I, I hate sitting there doing it. That's not my thing, but I know that it's something that she enjoys and it's something that we can do separate from each other in different houses. And so it <laughs> means the world to her. Okay. And so we do that. I love that. And, and, you know, when you, you mentioned the agingcare.com, I, I had to make a note to myself because I'm always learning about new things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that um, while the diagnosis happened in 2018, I didn't call myself a caregiver then. I didn't know what that was. Or, mm -hmm. It was just my mom. She, she lived right. with me and I had to do some things for her. That's, right what it was back then, mm -hmm. but reminded me that one of the best resources I came across is called HFC. That's hilarity, 
for charity. And it was, it's an organization specifically for caregivers. And it was founded by Seth Rogen and his wife. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because if there's anyone else on the line right now who is at the very start of your journey, obviously the book gives you a nice head start and some resources and some things you should look at, but also connect with HFC because um, every year they have, they celebrate the, the, you know, annual caregivings day and they have a ton of elder care resources, whether it's for what? the loved one or for you. And um, I, I've just learned so much just attending some of their events and they have yeah. grants, they have a grant program too. So um, wow. I thought it was worth mentioning because yeah, there's, there are more resources out there. We just have yeah. to know where to look. And, right. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. I, I never would have known that. And I've been dealing with this now for he's a funny guy. He's a he's you know, hilarious. Who would have thought he has this side to him? But yeah, yeah it's because one of their parents had it. And, oh you know, so yeah. But isn't that isn't that how like that's how it started for you, right? Your mom, you were taking care of your mom, and then that, like you said, you were in school, and because mm-hmm. of you taking care of your mom, it made you interested in elder care. Mm-hmm. I think our life and our life experiences kind of dictate the route that we go, right? Initially, I was talking about relationships because um, my first marriage was a a violent situation, right? Mm -hmm. And then I switched the focus of my business from dating, relationship, and marriage, although what I do now will encompass that too. But now the focus is helping you know, black women or black and brown women heal from corporate trauma, Mm -hmm. uh, increase their confidence, improve their leadership skills and teaching white allies how to activate their privilege. So that was born out of 2020, right? I I had no idea that my business, my life, everything would take a complete, would do a complete change after having Mm -hmm. tapped into my own trauma and then consistently doing this um, personal development to recognize, well, some of this trauma is not mine, right? I didn't, it didn't come from my childhood. It didn't come from my family. It came from work, the work environment. And how many of us deal with that? And so there was one experience in particular that led me down this path. I talked about it in a previous uh, episode, but this is where we are, right? And we do these things because of our life experiences. So you writing this book, us connecting, definitely um, something that I'm, I'm grateful for. Again, you know, while our paths were different to get to this point in our lives, I think what we can do together, right? In helping to bring awareness to this and provide other people who are going through this, the resources, the the hilarity for charity thing you know all of the resources that you mentioned in your book including and I never thought about this you even talked about like like the need for immediate insurance like if someone's whole life insurance is you know out um Mm -hmm. ran out or they outlived their insurance Mm -hmm. or I was like oh my god who knew I had no idea that that was even a thing Mm -hmm. right so they're all and then the the trials the clinical trials and I was listening because I was listening to your book via audio. 
And I was listening to all the questions. Okay, when you go to at, you know, to inquire about these trials, these are the questions that you ask. And I was like, oh my God, that right there is going. <laughs> right. Just having that list. And then you said right. most of these things are included in the, the document that you have to sign if you're going to take part in the trial, but things that I never even thought about, right? Because sometimes when we're so caught up in, in I want something to work. I want, if you have something new, let's try that. You mentioned. Is there a long-term care plan after this? How is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect, you know, the quality of life? And, and I was like, oh my God, I never would have thought of it. Mm-mm. So it's Mm-mm. not a very big book, like thick book, but it is mm-hmm. so, it is full of such good information, mm-hmm. great questions, great resources. I love your personal stories. Like, I feel like, reading or listening because I was listening to the audiobook but it says story time and I was like oh story time I'm all excited here comes story time and right? that's the I was going for yes this was like oh story time and so just it was it was very personable if the book is if for those of you that are listening even if you do not have someone in your life right now that is going through this if you are a leader mm-hmm. I think if you are a manager, a C-suite, any, any sort of leader, the owner of a business, I think it is your duty to understand how to be there for your employees when they need you to be, mm. right? Because a lot of times people look to their managers as leaders, but if that manager doesn't know, hasn't had that experience, hasn't bothered to learn what other people may be going through. This includes, you know, not just Alzheimer's or dementia, but it also includes like understanding the culture of the people that work under you, mm-hmm. right? As a manager who is not Black, mm-hmm. how can you really understand the the possible life that your employees have lived if you don't put yourself in those situations, if you don't ask the right questions, um, don't let me put my DEI hat on, girl. I don't even want to start that. But, but as managers, as leaders, I would suggest that you get this book. It's called Forget Me Not, Tori L. Fisher. Um, it's a it's it's a very good read. It's a great reference manual to have, even if you don't you're not going through it. If there's one of your employees that's going through it and you can say, you know what? I read this wonderful book. It's called Forget Me Not. It's about this. It has this. It has that, you know, chapter such and such. Here, I have one in my office. You know, you can borrow my copy or you can have my copy. I'll get another one. Whatever it is, if you can really connect to the human part of your employees, that will not just make you a great leader, but it will make you a leader that your employees never want to leave. Right. Right. Because they appreciate how much you cared about what they're going through. Tori, I could talk to you all, all night. Right. Um, (laughs) I'm loving it. This is fun. I could talk to you all (laughs) night. Okay. So I was going to ask you, I think we covered this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, We covered how do you know when it's time to go get screened? Um, I want everyone to know that Tori does a great job at explaining the difference between aging, dementia, and Alzheimer's in the book. Um, in the in, I'm such a nerd. In the beginning, it was like I was reading through this, and it was it was 
it was a lot of science for me, but I like that, right? I like understanding the science behind uh, what someone is sharing with me. So definitely you want to, if, if you or someone that you know, or if you're preparing for your employees, you'll get to understand the difference between aging, dementia, and Alzheimer's. I was going to ask you, how did you go from IT to <laughs> Alzheimer's and dementia? But we did mm-hmm. talk about that, right? You shared, mm-hmm. you you ended up taking uh, your MBA and um, your master's and in, in making it personal. And for mm-hmm. me, that's, it has to make sense for me. And it has to be interesting for me, for me to want to be able to do it. So, I mean, I'll even take it one step further. So I'm, I'm a very numbers, logic, spreadsheets, excite me type of person. Yeah. I've never considered myself artsy or creative. Mm-hmm. I, I respect people with those, that talent because I just, you know, I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say, it, as far as the book goes, uh, why did you write a whole book then? Well, I had most of the material in binders from my own research, Aww. just being nosy online or even doing an assignment for school. Yeah. And it just, between, like I said, the family stuff that happened earlier this year and learning about some things that I wish I had known a a few years ago, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, my mom says the same thing. She wished she took care of some things before, especially when she was healthy. Mm -hmm. It's like, what can I do to mass share this information? Yeah. So that people don't make the same mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. Or so that people have, you know, a A roadmap on what Mm -hmm. to expect because and, and if I'm honest, the journey will be different for everyone. Just like you said, right. your relationship with your mother is dictating how your relationship is, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, affected now. And it's the right. same with me. So quite honestly, it was more about, uh, finding the right tools to help me assemble this book, um, educating myself on, you know, the publishing process and mm-hmm. all of that. And it, it, the whole time it was scary, but it was enjoyable because I, I, I really wanted this to succeed. And I, I, it's just in my heart that people don't make the same mistake that I made. Yeah. So for, for all of those that are listening right now, if your life insurance game isn't on point, oh, <laughs> right. I, I need you to take, to, 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 to get on the website, you know, get on Google, do a little digging, you know, I, 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 I can tell you that the burden of the finances mm-hmm. that's left for the people that you care about the most, yep. you know, it's just compounding their grieving process and mm-hmm. anything that you can do to best be prepared for that now while you're healthy and you have, you know, clear state of mind and you can make your own decisions just put that stuff in place now set it and forget it yeah um so that's probably one of my biggest yeah lessons learned (laughs) yeah just you know I think you mentioned in the book right that there there can come a point when you think you still have time or still have time I still have time 
Right. Well, you don't want to, <coughs> excuse me, you don't want to think about the end of life, but you definitely have to do end of life planning before you need it. Thank you. Totally before you need it, because if you <laughs> don't, you know, if you don't, like you said, the financial burden, it's it's like, yeah, I'm running a business. Yeah, I have a full-time job, but I also have the financials for my mom. Now she, of course, has, she has a social security, you know, she has pension for my dad, but that doesn't cover it all. And so it's like, wow, I wasn't expecting, you know, to have these additional finances, but I do, but I'm not going to like, all she knows is the only thing you need to do, mom, is just enjoy, you know, enjoy yourself. Here is, you know, here is an allowance. My mom gets an allowance. She gets to do what she wants. She gets to buy what she wants within reason, right? <laughs> she calls and she's like, can I do this? And so when we go someplace, she's like, she's the mama. I'm like, yeah, I'm the mama. You know, we we have a good time with that, but I wouldn't have it any other way. However, if things were in place beforehand, then it wouldn't be an extra lift. I'm not going to call it a burden because it's not, she's my mom, right? Right. But it planning, even those that are in their thirties, you know, if you have kids, get started now, like you said, set it and forget it. Don't even worry about it. One of my, my best friend's father passed away and then she was surprised. She got a check in the mail from an insurance policy that he told her to buy on him when she got her first job, when she got her first major job. So that insurance policy has been there for 30 something years. She didn't even remember, but this was a nice surprise to help, you know, manage the affairs after the fact. And so, you know, trying to sell the house and things like that, but we don't think about it. I'm guilty of it too. I didn't want to think about it. And now this is the the position that we're in. So whatever we can do to make things easier, I have now started buttoning up my affairs now that I'm like, look, okay, who's going to take this? Who's going to take that, right? Okay, right. I got this, I got that. We need this, we need that. And then for me, I have the added benefit or the added responsibility of doing succession planning for the business or, you know, even making, if if no one's going to be there to take it over, if it doesn't go public or whatever, if I don't turn it into something where I can just, it could have my name and then someone else can take it over. I still have to figure out, I still have to have all the thing, all those things in place, all the account numbers, all the websites and the email addresses and all of that stuff. So it's a lot to do, but once you do it, it's just an update, like an annual update. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't enough to just have all the passwords. You need a little bit more than that. (laughs) Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. Well, Tori, thank you so much for this. I'm going to ask you one last question. Okay. (laughs) And maybe, okay, uh, really, I'm going to let you go soon. Um, But I know this is a question that I'm asking at the end, but I'm still curious. Okay. What is the number one thing that surprised you as you began your caregiving journey? Probably, um, I don't know, probably 
my mom's deference towards me and even something as small as honey do you mind if I make myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) why would I mind those are your groceries right right (laughs) or um I kind of mentioned this before but it's my need to to be the big sister and feel like I'm protecting my brothers mm-hmm. by not worrying them mm-hmm. with updates about my mom yeah the biggest thing that probably surprised me was my mental health coach response to that and that is but she's their mother too right right <laughs> yeah why why are you purposely putting yourself under additional stress when it could be alleviated if you shared what you were going through with your brothers yeah and then maybe they can help yeah so because I'm such a mama bear big sister with everybody it probably surprised me about how much relief I had when um I spoke with my baby brother. I went to Ohio. Mm-hmm. We went out to lunch and he treated me to lunch you know, because <laughs> he's an adult, <laughs> but he's my baby brother. Yeah. And I said, so there's something that I need to talk to you about. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. He put his knife and his fork down. He folded his hands and he leaned in. Mm-hmm. And this is the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. And I said, there will come a time when we need to come together and talk about financing mom's memory care. Mm -hmm. And he said, I, I have been waiting for this. I've been preparing myself for this conversation. What do you need? Anything that you need. And so his reactions and me being the one asking for help. Yeah. Probably surprised me the most in these first couple of years yeah so yeah wow you get me tearing up over here oh I'm sorry (laughs) no that's okay that's that's so beautiful that that is and I understand you know asking being the one to handle everything and not wanting to to burden other people right so for me um there I don't have siblings it's just me mm-hmm. and my mom. I don't have, I had a brother with my mom and a half brother, but he's no longer with us. My dad is already, uh, he already left us. Okay. Um, so it's me with my mom. I do, I, my brother was married. He had a daughter. His, my former sister-in-law, I still call her my sister-in-law. So she's still connected to my mom. Um, my niece and her and her husband and the boys, my nep- my great nephews, they go over and they spend time with my mom. But when it comes to like all the doctor's appointments and things like that, that's normally me because she doesn't trust anybody else mm-hmm. but me, right? Mm-hmm. And she'll take someone, someone else will take her and then she'll get very creative in her storytelling and then they're <laughs> responding to her creative storytelling when that's not the truth, right? Exactly. Um, but, and I kept going, my, 
you know, support system is like, well, you need to ask for help. You need to ask for help. I'm like, well, my sister-in-law doesn't really owe my mom anything, right? She goes by, she still, she hangs out with my mom, but she's not, my brother is no longer here. So it's not like she owes, and my niece has two kids. She owns her own business. So her hands are full all the time. So last week, I realized that I had some board responsibilities that needed to take place on the day that mom had an appointment. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask. I'm going to put it out there. And I asked. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law is taking her. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I, so I know what it feels like to not want to ask and not want to burden, you know, mm -hmm. someone else because I'm the daughter. You know, I got this. This is my mom. Mm -hmm. But just knowing that, you know, and it's not like, it won't happen often, but this is like the one time and forever I've ever asked them to take her to the doctor. Right. Right. And, but she said, okay, just tell me, you know, where it is, the address, what time I need to be there, things like that. And so what I need, what I know I need to do, and this is, you talked about this a little bit in your book. So I use a Trello board to yes. keep all of my mom's information together. Right. Mm -hmm. I use, a, I use a, a, a online, I use a Trello board. So everything is there. Mm -hmm. If my assistant needs to make appointments, I have all of her doctor's information, the card, the facts, you know, all that, I have her insurance information in there. I have, okay, when calling, right, to make an appointment, make sure you, and then I put all of that information in there. So I yes. do have a place where if someone had to do something for me, yes, they could access the information that they need in order to do what they need to do there. So that's actually next level. I like that. I'm not that. I'm not even that advanced yet. <laughs> <laughs> to do that, <laughs> I had to because it was so mm -hmm. much, and having to have 19 conversations with people. This is where this is. This is where that is. You know, trying to give people paper copies of stuff. It's like, no. Let me just add you to the Trello board as a, as a guest. So I don't have to pay for your membership, um, add you to the Trello card at that particular board. And all of mom's information is on that board. That's brilliant. So, and then I use a Dropbox folder for her assisted living facility. So if they need something, I'll email it to them, but I also drop it in that mm -hmm. Dropbox folder so that all of her documents for the facility are in the same place. Nice. Right. So it's all about finding systems that work, that not are not only working for you. So you're not the person holding all the information, but it's accessible for others too. Mm. And then making sure that that information is somewhere where in case something happens to me, all of her information didn't go with me. Exactly. Now you can just log in here and you can have everything that I I do the doctor's notes and all that stuff in there. All of her uh, login information for her, like the different doctor's offices, if they have a login, then it's in there. So then all of her history, everything. So thank goodness for online tools, girl, because I would right. not be. <laughs> oh, Trello is my friend. Yes. Trello, Trello and Dropbox, they are truly my friends. But I extended us a, a little longer again. So my apologies. It's just so easy talking to you. I can't wait to have girl time. 
I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Once you get, once you get all settled, you know, and everything in 2023, we're going to have, we're going to schedule some girl time and we will definitely have a great time, great conversation. And we'll talk about some things that some possible collaborations that we can do to help spread the word about what's needed before you actually need it. Right. And in, in cases that. like this, because you know, I'm know. very amenable to that. And thank you again for even this opportunity to honestly just chit chat with my homegirl. <laughs> I told you. But, you know, if what we spoke about today, if if some if one person gets one little nugget and they're able to, you know, action on it and it yeah. helps them in some way, then worth weight, you know, it's weight more than gold. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am excited. Um, If you were going to start wrapping up now, um, I do want everyone you're listening to the podcast now, but you want to definitely go and download the show notes. The show notes are going to have all of the links where you can uh, places where you can find Tori links to purchase her book. Um, you definitely want to get this book. Even if you don't need it now, you should have it, have it close by um, so that you can start looking at it as you um, prepare for your estate planning. I'm not going to call it end of life planning. Let's call it estate planning. But you'll have all the links there um, in the show notes and ways to get in touch with Tori for, for whatever reason. If you are um, if you work at a nursing facility or a assisted living facility, it will be great to have Tori come and speak to uh, individuals there, you know, whether it's the staff or family members of the staff. I'm plugging, I'm plugging you now, Tori. I'm not her agent. <laughs> Let's put that out there. I'm not her agent, but this is what, trust me, you want to get this information out to people. So look for us to do some things together next year. And Tori, is there, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that I would have to say is just um, you within yourself, just take a moment, you know, breathe in deeply breathe out deeply and just enjoy the moment that you're in. Um, I know with this fast paced world that we live in and, you know, digital this and social media that, you know, everyone has all their moments online and you don't usually see the poor ones. We don't care about the poor moments, but what, regardless of, what type of moment it is, just enjoy the moment that you're in because the next moment is not promised to you. So that's really what I want to leave everyone with. It's what I seek to do every day. That is powerful. That is powerful. And it's it's also a way to relieve the stress, right? If you just Mm -hmm. take take a moment and just center yourself. I'm learning that. I'm learning that I'm used to operating 90 miles an hour. If you read today's um, today's LinkedIn newsletter, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But I have put on the brakes. Doesn't sound like it, but trust me, I've put on the brakes. <laughs> I'm not doing half the things I used to. I'm, I'm taking time to just enjoy because 
by the time I get to my mom's 89, I just turned 57. I'm not getting any younger, um, but I'm certainly not trying to rush myself to, you know, early onset anything, mm-hmm. nothing, not even wrinkles. I don't want those. I don't mm-hmm. want those either. So whatever I need to do to learn how to take a pause, center myself, slow down, as you said, and just enjoy whatever moment it is, whatever I'm mm-hmm. doing in that moment. I think that's the that's like the best advice I've heard in a while. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Tell everybody how they can, I know it's going to be in the show notes, but for those mm-hmm. that um, want to access you right away, where can they find you? Certainly. So um, for those of you that like to get in touch or learn about other projects, you can find me at www.torifisher.com. That's T-O-R-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R.com. Um, and um, yeah. Okay. Torifisher.com. And then um, her book. Forget Me Not is available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and I will put a little plug in for your local mom and pop bookstore. If you go online, they more than likely have a website and you can order the book through there, which will also help support the, you know, small businesses. So, yes, great. All right. So thank you everyone for listening and until next time we are signing off. This is Tori Fisher and your coach, Anita Charlotte. Thank you. If you have heard anything in this episode that resonates with you as a woman of color, a white woman or an organization or company, and you would like to learn more about how I can support you, reach out to start the conversation through the contact page on my website anitasharlow.com forward slash contact. Let's work together to heal from corporate trauma, increase your confidence and activate your privilege.